Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Freshworks first quarter 2022 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference may be recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star then 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host today, June Hu. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon, and welcome to Freshworks First Quarter 2022 Earnings Conference Call. Joining me today are Girish Mathurbutham, Freshworks Chief Executive Officer, and Tyler Sloat, Freshworks Chief Financial Officer. The primary purpose of today's call is to provide you with information regarding our first quarter 2022 performance and our financial outlook for our second quarter and full year 2022. Some of our discussion and responses to your questions may contain forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements are based on Freshworks' current expectations and estimates about business and industry, management's beliefs, and certain assumptions made by the company as of the date hereof, all of which are subject to change. These statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements. For a discussion of material risks and other important factors that could affect our results, please refer to today's earnings release, our most recently filed Form 10-K, and our other periodic filings with SEC. Freshworks assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements in order to reflect events or circumstances that may arise after the date of this presentation, except as required by law. During the course of today's call, we will refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations between GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures are included in our earnings release, which is available on our investor relations website at ir.freshworks.com. I encourage you to visit our investor relations site to access our earnings release, periodic SEC reports, a replay of today's call, or to learn more about Freshworks. And with that, let me turn it over to Girish. Thank you, June. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Freshworks Q1 earnings call. We delivered a really good quarter of results in Q1. Revenue grew 42% year over year to $114.6 million. Non-GAAP operating margin was nearly break-even and well ahead of expectations. And we continue to drive the business for efficient growth by generating positive operating cash flow in the quarter. In Q1, we continue to witness strong demand for our products, adding more than 2,100 new customers. We ended the quarter with more than 58,100 customers, including brands like Allbirds, California Credit Union, Ticket Network, and Sodexo. Our net dollar retention increased to 115%, aided by ongoing improvements, both in multi-product adoption and churn. This led to another good quarter for customer expansion in our business. In the last earnings call, I talked about the changing trends in customer experience in CRM. Every consumer-facing business is looking to engage with customers across their preferred mobile, social, and online channels. We are prioritizing our product investments around these trends, and in Q1, we released new capabilities in our conversational engagement product, Freshdesk Messaging, that offers self-service bots 
and conversational agent experiences over more digital channels. We added text messaging as a new channel and enhanced capabilities for WhatsApp conversations. These new capabilities enable businesses to provide a conversational experience to their customers and automate support over text messaging and WhatsApp in addition to existing channels that we support like Apple Business Chat and Facebook Messenger. One example is a publicly traded retail company based in South Africa with over a billion dollars in annual revenue. The company uses our Freddie Bot and Freshdesk messaging on WhatsApp to automate customer support. Our APIs help customers track their orders, search for products, and locate nearby stores. The retail giant has automated 30% of their support queries with our chatbot solution. If customers need more help with complex use cases, the bots gracefully hand over to a human support agent. So when you have a global customer base, a bot talking to your customers in a language they best understand helps improve the customer experience. We have now added support for 10 additional languages in our multilingual bots product, so our bots can now engage with users in 50 different languages. I'm excited to share that we recently launched our Freshworks CRM for e-commerce. This is a unified CRM that combines marketing automation, conversational support, and sales powered by our unified customer record. Let me share the story of the Lip Balm Company, a popular D2C cosmetic brand with over 100 products sold online. They use the built-in Shopify campaign templates in our CRM products to drive revenue by running personalized marketing campaigns on WhatsApp to bring back customers who abandoned their shopping carts. Their support team also had frequent inquiries from customers calling in to check the status of their orders, and now that is fully automated with our Wismo bots purpose-built for Shopify. Wismo is short form for where is my order. Support agents are now freed up to perform more complex tasks. Direct-to-consumer brands and e-commerce companies can now offer a personalized experience for buyers on modern messaging channels with our new CRM offering. We are excited that Freshworks CRM for e-commerce is now available on the Shopify App Store with the potential to reach over 1 million storefronts. We plan to extend integrations to other market-leading e-commerce platforms in the future. Turning to fresh service, we continue to make progress in the mid-market. The German industrial robot manufacturer KUKA, with $3 billion in annual revenue, chose fresh service to simplify IT support for its 14,000 employees. With fresh service, KUKA now has visibility into its technology assets to give leadership a quick view of IT team performance. We also added new enterprise-grade IT service management capabilities to Fresh Service through an expanded partnership with Device42. The new product integration and joint technical support with Device42 provides our customers more visibility into their hardware and software assets, improving their IT asset management capabilities. We talked about expanding use cases for Fresh Service previously, so let me highlight a couple of examples of customers leveraging fresh service for enterprise service management needs. A U.S.-based multi-billion dollar scientific instrumentation and software company chose fresh service to automate their internal sales processes. 
the ability to integrate their custom deal desk applications directly into fresh service the company can more quickly receive email requests create an order and close service deals faster another esm use case is allbirds the global sustainable footwear and apparel company implemented fresh service to manage the entire employee life cycle from it to facilities and hr the company's employee facing teams can automate and customize processes features forms and service catalogs to meet the needs of their department and the employees they serve we are really excited about the potential of fresh service to help many internal teams delight their employees on the partners front we held our partner summit virtually last month where we rolled out the new tiered program and certification framework for our partners our sa partner tcs announced successful completion of 150 customer projects on the freshworks platform in addition to device 42 we also announced partnerships with good data and yex for enterprise grade analytics and search today the freshworks partner program includes more than 500 partners in over 50 countries around the world overall q1 was a really good quarter of customer and revenue growth combined with continued business efficiency looking ahead there is some market uncertainty with the changing macro environments and the ongoing war in eastern europe while we have limited exposure to russia and ukraine directly we will continue to track the european market for any potential impact to the business more importantly we understand that some of you may have family members or friends in the region who may be impacted our thoughts are with them and the people of ukraine right now as we move forward with the business we will continue to focus our efforts on executing across sales marketing product and engineering to achieve our 2022 goals i'm excited about the tremendous opportunity across all three markets we operate in customer experience sales and marketing and itsm as we continue to build the business with the right mix of sustainable growth and profitability i'll now turn it over to our cfo tyler to share further details about our financial results thanks g And thanks to all of you joining on the call and via webcast. Despite the volatile markets, we got off to a really good start for the year with another solid quarter of financial results in Q1. We're seeing healthy market traction for our products as we execute on our priorities for fiscal 2022. For our call today, I'll cover the financial results from our first quarter while providing some background on the key drivers and trends we're seeing in the business. Later, I'll close with our forward-looking commentary and expectations for Q2 and full year 2022. As a reminder, for our financial results, I'll focus most of my discussion around non-GAAP numbers. These non-GAAP numbers exclude the impact of stock-based compensation and related expenses, payroll taxes on employee stock transactions, amortization of acquired intangibles, and other adjustments. Starting with the income statement, revenue in Q1 grew 42% to $114.6 million, which includes a negative impact of a little over 1% due to FX. We saw healthy expansion activity in the quarter, and the largest driver continues to be seat or agent additions as this is the simplest or most natural path for increasing usage of our products. As you mentioned earlier, Our multi-product adoption continues to make incremental improvements as customers are using multiple products, especially 
and our Fresh Desk product line with the adoption of Omnichannel with a combination of support desk and messaging. Our ITSM product, Fresh Service, continues to be a big growth driver as mid-market customers are finding tremendous value in our right-size solutions. In Q1, we maintained a healthy non-GAAP gross margin of 82.2%. This was down slightly from the prior quarter as we had a higher contribution from a lower margin product that includes pass-through costs from an outside provider. Our non-GAAP operating expenses were $94.8 million for Q1, an improvement of $3.4 million compared to Q4. Most of this improvement came from non-GAAP G&A expenses, as this decreased $5 million compared to the prior quarter, as Q4 included higher costs related to a litigation matter that was settled in Q4. Non-GAAP R&D expenses increased by $1.4 million quarter over quarter, as we continue to invest in our product and technology efforts. We also invested in our go-to-market efforts, but non-GAAP sales and marketing expenses were relatively flat compared to the prior quarter as Q4 expenses included costs from our refresh conference that were not included in Q1. Our revenue outperformance combined with expense improvements led to a non-GAAP operating loss of $0.6 million for the quarter, resulting in a nearly break-even operating margin on a non-GAAP basis. We believe this clearly highlights our ability to drive business efficiency as we continue to scale and grow the business. Turning to our operating metrics, our net dollar retention rate increased 1% to 115% from the prior quarter. On a constant currency basis, this figure was 116%. This number not only reflects the robust expansion activity from our customers, but also the incremental improvements we're seeing in multi-product adoption and churn in the overall business. As we said before, we expect this metric to naturally land in the 110-plus to low teens range for the business for the foreseeable future, so we're pleased with this performance. Our second operating metric of customers contributing more than $5,000 in ARR grew 27% in Q1, ending at 15,639 customers, and now represents 86% of our ARR. For larger customers contributing more than $50,000 of ARR, this customer count grew 54%, ending at 1,547 customers and represents 42% of our ARR. Our total customer count grew 15% to over 58,100 customers as we added over 2,100 customers in the quarter, reflecting the highest net add since Q3 of 2020. Similar to prior quarters, the average revenue per account continues to increase and contribute to our revenue growth as customers are expanding on our products as we engage in larger deals. Now turning to billings and the balance sheet items. Our Q1 calculated billings was $128.9 million, reflecting 32% growth year over year. As you know, the billings growth rate can fluctuate from quarter to quarter based on a number of factors, so specific items in Q1 include approximate impacts of billing duration mix of negative 2%, early renewals and FX movements, each negative 1%, and reserve activity of positive 1.5%. Normalizing for these factors, calculated billings growth would be approximately 35%.
From a new business perspective, Billings growth was impacted by a lower number of large deals closed in the quarter. While we added a healthy number of new customers in Q1, the average customer size was smaller compared to prior quarters as our field operations continue to build out and ramp up productivity for the mid-market and larger customers. We're also seeing a very competitive hiring environment on the go-to-market side, especially in Europe. So this has impacted our sales realization in that region. While we don't manage the business to a calculated billings metric, due to the overall uncertainty around the European market and the time it takes to build up go-to-market operations, we expect the calculated billings growth to moderate in Q2. Moving to our balance sheet, we ended Q1 with cash and cash equivalents of approximately $1.2 billion. Down from the prior quarters, we used approximately $120 million to net settle vested equity amounts in meeting tax requirements, which we noted on our prior call. We plan to continue to net settle shares and expect to use approximately $25 million in Q2. Nearly all of the net settle activity amount was captured in our cash flow from finance. So this will reduce our cash balance, but as a reminder, does not impact free cash flow. In Q1, our operating cash flow was $1.4 million, which further underscores the efficiency of our business model even as we invest for growth. Free cash flow, which includes the impact of CapEx and capitalized software, was negative $1.4 million and ahead of expectations, as we realized savings in the quarter and also had some payments shift to later in the year. As a result, we expect free cash flow for the full year to improve by $5 million to negative $20 million, with Q2 and Q3 estimated to be negative $10 million each. For Q4, we expect to be slightly positive and positive thereafter. Given the volatile economic environment, I'm pleased with our ability to manage through these times and do it prudently. In terms of share count, We had approximately 317 million shares outstanding on a fully diluted basis using the Treasury method as of March 31st, 2022. A few items to note as we move to our expectations for Q2 and the full year. First, on revenue. Our revenue guidance estimates are based on currency rates as of the end of Q1, consistent with our normal financial planning process. Using currency rates as of the end of Q1, we're expecting FX to have approximately a negative 1.5 to 2% impact to Q2 and a negative 1.5 impact for full year 2022 growth rates. Thus far in Q2, we're seeing increasing strength of the U.S. dollar and, if this trend holds, would result in additional negative FX impacts to our results, which is not included in our guidance. Also related to revenue, we've made improvements to our financial operations in areas of collections and reserves, which we've called out previously. These improvements have created slight benefits to our revenue the past couple of quarters, but we do not expect this to continue going forward as we are nearing optimal levels. And third, as a reminder from our prior call, Q2 expenses include the impact of our annual merit cycle and other related costs leading to increased expenses quarter over quarter. In addition, we have timing impacts as certain Q1 projects and investments shifted to Q2 and later in the year. We have factored these impacts into our estimates going forward. So, 
For the second quarter of 2022, we expect revenue to be in the range of $117 million to $119 million, non-GAAP loss from operations to be in the range of $18.5 million to $16.5 million, and non-GAAP net loss per share to be in the range of $0.08 cents to $0.06, cents, assuming weighted average shares outstanding of approximately $284.4 million. For the full year 2022, we expect revenue to be in the range of $495.5 million to $501.5 million, non-GAAP loss from operations to be in the range of $43.5 million to $37.5 million, and non-GAAP net loss per share to be in the range of $0.18 cents to $0.16, cents, assuming weighted average shares outstanding of approximately $284.4 million. Let me close by saying that we're off to a good start to the year. And with that, let us take your questions. Operator? If you have a question at this time, please press star then one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. And our first question comes from the line of Scottberg with Needham. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Congrats on the quarter, and thanks for taking my questions here. Um, I guess a couple, uh, G, I want to start with the net revenue retention. You sound pretty pleased with cross-selling uh, additional modules or at least seeing some additional traction there. How should we think about the typical customer today in terms of you know, what they're landing with or what they're buying? Is there a, a pattern there that's kind of emerging that may be easy to, to repeat, or is it just general customer satisfaction in the product that's leading them to, uh, to maybe buy more? Uh, thanks for the question, Scott. Uh, our multi-product adoption, uh, first of all, I would say we are happy with the way our net dollar retention has been uh, tracking, specifically driven by uh, multi-product adoption and uh, churn improvements this quarter. Uh, so we, you know, in the past, uh, we have told that we expect to be 110 to mid-teens uh, kind of uh, net dollar retention, but uh, on a constant currency basis, it is 116, so we're obviously happy with that. Um, our multi-product adoption numbers also improved. Like last quarter, I think we uh, mentioned that it was 21%. Uh, we saw a, a slight uh, uptick. Now the number is at 22% uh, for our uh, customers using more than one Freshworks product. What is primarily driving us are a few patterns that we're seeing. One uh, is our omni-channel uh, fresh desk customers who uh, buy the omni-channel product, so that is one. We also see customers using our fresh desk product or our fresh desk messaging product. Uh, that is in line with the trends that we are seeing in businesses adopting conversational engagement to kind of engage with customers on digital channels. So that is another uh, repeatable trend which we expect uh, moving forward. And um, last week uh, we also announced our uh, uh, unified CRM uh, for e-commerce. So we can actually, uh, again, it's too early, uh, but that can become, as we have told earlier, uh, the unified CRM can actually help us uh, win multi-persona deals where customers can land with, um, like, only sales, only support, or only marketing, and then uh, kind of add on uh, or upgrade to a, uh, the full suite. So I think uh, we have multiple patterns, but as of now, primary drivers are omnichannel and uh, um, Fresh desk and conversation messaging. We also have customers using fresh desk and fresh service. Uh, probably that's in the top three drivers. 
Thanks, G. That's super helpful. And then, Tyler, uh, from a follow-up perspective, I wanted to, to delve into the European hiring um, weaknesses, I guess, that the company is having there. I guess two-part question. One, can you quantify maybe how far behind you are on your hiring plans there? And then secondly, how do you correct that going forward at this point outside of just throwing more cash at someone? I don't know if you're changing how you're recruiting over there to, uh, to maybe try to get caught up. Uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Hey, thanks for the question, Scott. Um, actually, the hiring, the, the, the impact was mainly from attrition we saw last year. Uh, and we're actually, uh, you know, have hired back and have started to catch up uh, in the field. And we'll continue to hire in the field in, in almost all areas. Um, and we've also seen attrition get better this this quarter than what we saw last year. And I think last year was probably part, you know, of the great resignation that, you know, we talked about that we were not immune to. So I think we experienced what a lot of other companies experienced. As, you know, as we rehired, those folks take time to ramp. Um, and as they're ramping, you know, they're, they're getting to know Freshworks and getting productive. And so it feels like we're starting to get back on track, but um, – but again, it's not like an, it's not an ongoing thing. I think it was mainly from impact of uh, towards the tail end of last year as we're coming back into it. In terms of overall philosophy, uh, we're doing a lot of what you know, I guess a lot of other companies are doing, and it's not just on field or anything else. It's about making sure our employees are you know just having an incredible experience working at Freshworks, but also making sure they're they're fairly compensated. Uh, it's one of the things that's driving our um, expense that that's coming up in Q2 because our entire focal process actually kicked in on uh, April 1st, which it uh, typically does. Uh, and that's one of the things that's, that is raising the cost for, uh, for Q2 compared to Q1, which is, you know, those compensation adjustments. Got it. Helpful. Thanks again. Congrats on the quarter's results. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Brad Sills with Bank of America. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Oh, great. Thanks, guys, for taking my questions. Um, just one to start, please, on the, the, the traction you're seeing in that customer segment greater than 5,000. Uh, real nice result here, 27% year-over-year growth, holding with that high 20s you saw last quarter. Uh, you mentioned some deal size coming down there a little bit. Should we take that to mean there's potential upsell uh, opportunity? Maybe some of these enterprise customers are starting with a smaller footprint. You've got a lot of new product out here that you're seeing some good traction cross-sell. Uh, could there be a cohort of customers in there that we might see uh, the opportunity to upsell more so than in the past. Yeah, thanks for the question, Brad. Uh, so overall, I would start by saying we had uh, we are pleased with how uh, we did from a customer growth standpoint this quarter. We, uh, as we mentioned in the call, we added uh, 2,100 uh, customers, and that is uh, the highest uh, net add of customers uh, since Q3 of 2020. So um, clearly, a lot of those uh, customers uh, came from uh, smaller deals, so which uh, um, also uh, we saw um, like an increase in customers in the CRM. So these are uh, positive things. And as Tyler mentioned in the script, so we, in Europe particularly, we didn't close a few larger deals, but we see that as an opportunity given our multi-product play. Uh, we see that, uh, and we don't specifically, I just would like to remind uh, everyone here that uh, at Freshworks, we don't hunt for elephants. We hunt for deer and rabbits. We are focused squarely on uh, mid-market and SMB customers. So a lot of times when we land, uh, we are not specifically managing to a greater than 50K number. So uh, so that I would like to um, – we are confident that that will uh, give us the opportunity to expand uh, into larger deals over time. 
Excellent. Great to hear. Thanks so much. And with the launch of the, um, the e-commerce solution, what, what does this mean for your kind of overall footprint in the front office with, with, you know, you've got sales CRM, now you've got e-commerce, really rounding out that suite. Do you think that customers might land with e-commerce and then add CRM sales, uh, vice versa? Is this more of an upsell opportunity? Just any expectations in the near term for that? Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, so the, the way to look at the uh, pressure CRM for e-commerce is uh, more like a vertical solution for D2C brands and consumer-facing uh, like our uh, e-commerce companies which want to engage with customers on digital channels. So what we have really uh, launched or, or given the, uh, the opportunity for D2C brands and uh, e-commerce brands to really get a uh, full 360 view of their customers uh, from by combining data from their Shopify uh, orders, the lifetime value of the customers, in conjunction with the entire history of conversations that the business has had with the customer and also have visibility into the marketing campaigns that the customer has responded to. So that kind of visibility was not available to um, e-commerce companies uh, and sellers um, for them to understand uh, more about their buyers. So that's uh, what we have uh, launched, and we will continue bringing the power of our uh, unified customer record into other verticals over time. Thanks, Girish. Thank you. Thank you, and our next question comes from the line of Ryan McWilliams with Barclays. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Thanks for taking the question. Sales and marketing as a percentage of revenues came in nicely below our expectations for the quarter. Um, Tyler, maybe just besides the refresh conference, what were some of the puts and takes that led to the lower spend, uh, maybe versus our expectations? Uh, in general, it was mainly the refresh conference from last year. We also had some other events that that you know we were spending money on. Um, in Q1, we we had things like our SKO, which was originally going to be in person, and it being a virtual event, we ended up saving some money there. Um, we we did hire, uh, you know pretty aggressively and we continue to do so and we're going to we're going to continue to do that with adding some uh uh some incredible talent you know across our marketing to uh sales organization so we're, we're pretty optimistic about that um and then i mentioned you know one of the, the upticks for q2 and what we expect is that you know a lot of the compensation adjustments that are normal as part of our normal focal process uh those kick in in q2 and some of those are effectively non-cash because it's a, things like adjusting our uh, vacation balances and, and whatnot that just hit your P&L, uh, but they're not necessarily cashing a one-time adjustment. So that, the, but the refresh event and some other, you know, kind of one-offs are, are really the differences between the Q4 and Q1, even though headcount went up. Appreciate that. And just on your comment for calculated billing growth to moderate in second quarter, do you mean on a normalized basis as well? And then can you just kind of elaborate maybe on some of the macro challenges that you highlighted um, impacting how you're thinking about um, you know, the growth there over the next few quarters. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're essentially looking at that, that Billings growth number. And, again, we don't manage to Billings, right? Billings has a lot of nuances to it. So we kind of call it as we see it. We can make some estimates. But, uh, you know, as Billings come in, as new deals close, right, they're going to have different mixes uh, in terms of whether they're paid annually or whatnot. Our expansion motion is actually pretty unpredictable as how it relates to Billings because, as you can imagine, if, if a customer is expanding and they're on an annual deal, that often results in a stub uh, payment, not a full annual payment. So uh, we, we kind of, you know, we look at it, we can kind of estimate 
And based on what we see, we are a little bit cautious just based on the macroeconomic environment. The, in Europe, um, it, I don't know if anybody knows what's really going to happen. We, we are a little bit, you know, we're cautious, we're tentative, uh, we're, we're growing, and it feels like, you know, we have folks that are ramping out there and, and you know, coming into their own in terms of uh, as they ramp getting productive. But that being said, we are cautious on the whole macroeconomic environment in general. Seems reasonable. Appreciate the color. Okay. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Mark Mur Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Uh, Karish, how much difference in business confidence or deal pipeline or uh, bookings growth do you see if you try to compare right now, especially between North America and uh and EMEA, I, I think. I think specifically, um, we're mostly wondering just how is the tone of business in Europe. Um, if you think of it, you know, kind of outside of your own sales ramping and productivity, um, you know, what is the tone coming from customers? I guess considering the proximity to the war there. Uh, thanks for the question, Mark. Uh, first off, let me start by acknowledging what uh, we already said that. Uh, we have seen uh, some softness in Europe, primarily because we didn't close enough uh, large deals. It also has to do, uh, deal with some seasonality in Q1 that we uh, see compared to Q4, uh, where, as you know, a lot of mid-market deals close. But on the macro itself, um, specifically to the ongoing war in uh, Russia and Ukraine, so I think uh, we are consciously observing what's happening. We don't have or we have limited exposure to uh, Ukraine and Russia, and uh, we, it, it's currently less than 1% of our revenue from that region. So uh, we are not necessarily seeing a slowdown from a macro standpoint uh, in, in Europe. So, um, And we are working to fix our execution uh, challenges uh, in terms of uh, ramping up of the GTM folks, uh, hiring leaders, and investing in uh, sales enablement. But when you look at all the product investments that we are making, uh, we are confident that uh, while being cautious about the macro, we're confident that uh, our big markets give us the ability to keep uh, executing and for a long, long time. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Tyler, just a quick follow-up for you. When the, the comment on the, the, the Q2 billings, the, um, you grew billings 35%, you know, normalized in Q1. I understand you don't. Um, really manage two, two billings. But I'm just curious because I think you're saying it'll slow in Q2. Consensus already has it slowing in, in Q2, I, I believe, if I wrote it down right, uh, something like 27, 28%, and I think possibly even slower in Q3. So I guess I'm just trying to understand, do, do, are you expecting us to hear that uh, comment and and actually kind of reduce it further? Or, or, or do you think, I mean, if we're already kind of contemplating, um, you know, something like a seven or eight point, you know, decel in Q2, do you think that that's sufficient? Yeah, I'm, I'm, Mark, I'm more speaking to the quarter over quarter uh, comparison from Q1 going into Q2. Okay, so the sequential comparison so will be... Meaning mm -hmm. that we expect it to moderate from Q1 growth rates. The sequential billings growth rate. 
Not yep. necessarily comparing to what consensus is out there, uh, but we're, I'm more speaking to, you know, our growth rate in Q, Q1, we would expect it to moderate a little bit in Q2. Um, okay, so kind of less than a, like a, less than a 5% sequential, just to be clear on that. Well, Mark, we're not guiding to a number. I'm just saying that we would expect it to be a little bit less growth rate than we had in Q1. Okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Ryan Bresner with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I um, just wanted to maybe go back into some of the broader product conversations around e-commerce and how it fits in maybe the sales and marketing push and even longer term fresh team. Uh, I'm just kind of wondering what the status is on that and how it could fit in the portfolio longer term. I'm sorry, I couldn't uh, hear the question. Can you please repeat? Sure. Uh, just wanting to see if you could talk a little bit more about how fresh sales, fresh marketer are doing, and maybe you know looking out a few quarters, you know where fresh team would fit in the product portfolio and you know, kind of how that is envisioned. Sure. So, so as we. Um, said like um, fresh sales, uh, the, the newly launched D2C uh, CRM for e-commerce uh, product is a combination of fresh sales, fresh marketer, and conversational engagement. So this is the first uh, unified CRM product that we have uh, launched based on the uh, UCR, the unified customer record that's built on the new platform. So we are very encouraged by the early results that we are seeing. We called out uh, the use case of uh, the Lip Balm company, which is one of our early customers. Um, on the broader fresh sales uh, product, we are seeing that business, even though it's early days, growing nicely uh, in terms of uh, both in the sales CRM market as well as the marketing automation. Fresh team, I would say, is uh, it's still an incubation. It's a uh, it's too early to comment on our plans for fresh team. So um, we would talk to you about it when it's more meaningful in terms of contribution. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes online of Brian Schwartz with Oppenheimer. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Theodore Tune on for Brian Schwartz. Thank you for taking the question. Um, I had a question on your go-to-market motion and specifically your partner um, ecosystem. So with fresh service and fresh desk continuing to move up market and with the strong momentum that you're seeing um, sort of in the largest customers, um, can you walk us through again how you think about the partner ecosystem and maybe also how we should think about the interests of larger partners helping your ambitions to move up market further? And then I have a second question for Tyler, if I may. Sure, Theo. Uh, first off, let me start by uh, telling you that we are not necessarily targeting a move into the larger enterprise. That is not part of our uh, go-to-market motion. Uh, while our focus is still SMB and mid-market, we do have uh, teams from larger companies uh, coming to us uh, specifically when uh, they're looking at us to replace, uh, like, let's say, an enterprise uh, solution like ServiceNow or uh, Salesforce. So we have had wins there. So our partners uh, specifically play an interesting role in multiple dimensions. One, I would say, is I'll start with the SI partners. So we spoke about uh, TCS, which is a large tier one SI. 
but they have a special group for us where they understand that Freshworks products actually do not require the traditional 12-month, 18-month incubation cycles. So it's a high-velocity model where they have actually completed 150 projects, mostly mid-market companies, but um, our products can be taken live in 8 to 10 weeks. So they, uh, their side companies are adopting a newer velocity model to uh, be able to uh, bring us to market. So that is working for us. In terms of how we drive customization uh, and integration needs of mid-market companies, so we use our app marketplace where partners can build custom apps uh, which are required by mid-market companies to kind of integrate into their systems, uh, in-house systems. Uh, so we, they, they, partners actually build apps to uh, make that happen. We also have, today we have more than 500 channel partners in more than 50 countries where they uh, source leads uh, like in terms of bringing new business uh, to the Freshworks uh, uh, customer base. Got it. Thank you. That's very helpful. And if I can ask a second question uh, for Tyler. So on your international exposure, um, given that 85% of your headcount is located abroad and I think less than half of your revenue is derived from outside of North America, could there be larger FX impact to your expense line that provides a tailwind to margins, or um, is the dollar amount affected by FX somewhat balanced between revenue and expense? So any, any color would be helpful on that. Sure. Uh, and and the, thank you for the question, Theo. The, the majority of our headcount are in India, and the you know INR has, has in general held up against the USD. Uh, that being said, it is starting to move a little bit, um, I think about 10%, but it definitely hasn't moved as much as the pound and euro. So our revenue exposure has been greater than our expense exposure. Um, so they haven't quite been lining up. Um, you know, we've been able to run the business really efficiently and, you know, did really well uh, financially in Q1, uh, even with the top-line FX uh, exposure, but um, but they're not quite matched up. Okay, great. Thanks for taking the question. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Shanik Katari with Baird. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks. This is uh, Shranik on for Rob. Uh, just a, a quick follow-up on, on the, the lower kind of effort portion of the revenues. Uh, you said it's uh, due to, like, lower number of large deals closing the quarter, uh, mostly Europe-related, if I got that right. And and the average customer size was like smaller compared to prior quarters. If, if you can provide some color around uh, like what you saw uh, in terms of like the mix of deals, I think you mentioned uh, about annual versus monthly. So if uh, if the deals are shifting in any meaningful way, like vis-a-vis -vis monthly versus annual mix, uh, I know it has been kind of pretty steady or growing. Uh, the annual mix was about 62% uh, last year. Uh, you mentioned, so just kind of wanted to get a sense of if that there's a shift happening within the within the customer base regarding the mix. Yeah, hey, Shrenik, this is Tyler. Uh, so first of all, in general, you know, really pleased with revenue performance in the quarter and, uh, you know, overall financial performance. The commentary was mainly around billings, and uh, when we looked at billings, we said we didn't close as many large deals, and we kind of called out, um, specifically Europe and, you know, the team still ramping out there. 
Um, on the flip side, we also said that we closed, you know, net new more customers than we have in the last year and a half, and, that, and that's a really positive sign uh, with over 2,100 new customers. So clearly a lot of those customers are smaller. Um, in fact, our CRM product, uh, our new CRM product is driving a lot of those ads, which we're super optimistic about, even though it's too early to, to talk about the contributions from that. There was no meaningful shift in billing terms for new customers. Uh, as I did mention, when we had expansion, uh, which was still healthy, um, which is also reflected in our net dollar retention number, that's an unpredictable number when those expansion comes through because as customers expand, you know, they could be paying stub, uh, stub periods. Uh, so if they're on an annual deal and they're, you know, expanding with just four months left in their deal, oftentimes that they're just paying for a four-month stub as opposed to a new annual deal. Uh, and so that expansion motion is a little bit less predictable as, as relates to billings. But in general, no meaningful shift in billings duration. Got it, got it. Thanks for, for the clarification. Appreciate it, Tyler. Uh, and, and just one for uh, Girish here. Uh, I know you, you kind of briefly uh, mentioned about the, the e-commerce plans. Uh, if you can comment on, on the uh, Shopify partnership specifically, uh, how is that shaping up, uh, and kind of when do you expect in terms of like timelines, like rough timelines uh, of, of that kind of momentum to pick up, and how do you envis envisage that? Uh, sure, Shinik. Uh, so the, uh, what we have uh, launched today is a CRM product that is tightly integrated with the Shopify ecosystem. We are listed on the Shopify marketplace. So for the first time for Shopify sellers, we have brought together capability that helps them drive personalized marketing campaigns, self-service automation through bots, and conversational agent experience through live support agents. And the bots, agents, as well as the marketing campaigns can now work across WhatsApp, across text messaging, or any of the other uh, modern digital channels. So the plan is to expand beyond Shopify and go into other e-commerce platforms like uh, WooCommerce and Magento coming later this year. Uh, so we are excited with the early traction that we are seeing. Uh, we have uh, closed a few customers and uh, we will share more, but uh, uh, maybe in the coming quarters, we will share uh, more stories of customers and what we are hearing from the market. Got it. Got it. Thanks a lot, Grish. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the question. So, so I wanted to follow up on, on the partner developments. Uh, can, can you maybe talk about, like, how much of the revenue or, or new bookings is coming from the partnership channel today? And, and as we see that growing, you know, does that mix increase, and in, in, in what are the longer-term ramifications from kind of an LTV to CAC perspective? Yeah, so, Brian, I'll start with that. So partners are, you know, really important part of our go-to-market motion. Right now it's about 15 to 20 percent of our um, of our business is coming from our, our partner channel. Now, the partners, it is a mix, right? We have, we have partners who are – working kind of solely in some areas that we don't have natural language cap capabilities. Uh, we are also partnering with partners uh, NGOs in North America and Europe uh, where we have field presence. Uh, so the compensation mix actually is different as well So in some of those cases, right, where we're compensating partners differently based on 
on what they're doing with us. I don't think it, it'll have a meaningful impact to our LTV to CAC over time, uh, except for the fact that, you know, when, uh, as that increases, um, you know, we should be able to drive efficiencies from, from that channel. Understood. And, and Tyler, I wanted to follow up, and I don't want to belabor the point here on billings because I know you guys don't, don't manage to it, but when you're talking about the, the moderation in the second quarter versus the first quarter, I just want to be clear, is that versus the 32% reported or the 35% adjusted when you were making that comment? Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's against the 32% reported. Understood. Thanks, Tyler. You bet. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Mauro Molina with Piper Sandler. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Mauro. Just taking a, just asking a question on behalf of Brent. Um, so as we think about the size of, you know, the different customers you serve, um, it'd be helpful to get some color on what proportion of the customers in the 5K ARR or the 50K ARR cohorts are customers that sort of graduated into that scale of spend? You know, are, are most customers kind of starting out smaller, or were they sort of already at that level of spend when they first sign on? Yeah, hey, Miles, this is Tyler. We actually haven't broken out uh, the makeup of those, of that ARR base and the customers in that ARR base and, and where they came from. It is a healthy mix of both, right? Our expansion motion is really strong, and so we do have customers who, graduate up, and if you go back to our kind of like our IPO presentation, we demonstrated customers who landed really small and then, you know, are, are now, you know, considerable multiples of what they landed with us on. Uh, but we are also landing with, with larger customers as well. Uh, the lands with larger customers is, is not as often, um, but it would, it's not uncommon to land above 50K, uh, especially with, with our desk and service offerings. So it is a healthy mix of both. We just haven't broken it out yet. Got it. Got it. Thank you. And then uh, just one more from us. In terms of, you know, adoption momentum, were there any products that kind of surprised you or otherwise stood out from a demand perspective uh, during this quarter? Um, and if not, maybe any any verticals where you're seeing more success or outside success driving adoption? Uh, I'll take that, uh, Mauro. Uh, so, we continue to see healthy demand for our ITSM uh, product or service where we are uh, today the most credible alternative to ServiceNow. Uh, we continue to uh, win against them and replace them. Um, both cases uh, have happened. Uh, our CRM, uh, we're really excited about what we are hearing uh, because uh, this unified solution uh, is being appreciated by customers for the value that we are bringing, the visibility into their customers, their users that we are bringing. And, and of course, in uh, the CX business, the conversational uh, support and bots. Uh, this is a trend where every consumer-facing business is wanting to add on uh, the ability to engage with their customers on digital channels, and we are seeing um, uh, like early signs of good traction there as well. All right, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. our next our next question comes from the line of Alex Zukin with Wolf Research. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey guys, this is Ryan Krieger on for Alex. Thanks for taking the question. Just a quick one on inflation. I'm sure you guys are seeing that impact cost to some extent. So I'm just wondering how you're thinking about potential pricing changes to compensate or how do you manage pricing or think about that dynamic going forward? Yeah, 
Uh, thanks, Ryan. This is Tyler. The on costs for sure, uh, we've seen it, uh, and especially mainly on compensation, right? Um, uh, and I think everybody's seen it, and so we're obviously doing the right thing by our customers. Um, we don't have a like a, a price increase strategy. It's really never been part of the company. Uh, and I can't say we have a structured play to go out and systematically try to increase prices uh, across the base for our customers. Clearly, we, we would want our customers to, you know, pay for the value that they're receiving. Um, but I can't say it's part of our, our, you know, our strategy to just wholeheartedly just go do that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of Brent Phil with Jeffries. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey, Tyler. Um, good profitability in the quarter, but you're not guiding to any improvements. Um, so maybe if you could just uh, talk through, you know, if growth continues to slow, and I think the, the, the broader concern of the macro uh, heads, heads a little south in, in the interim, are, are you – can they either A, spend through it, or B, do you feel like you'll, you'll put more of the air brakes on expenses and, and show a little more leverage? How do you think about that if, if we continue on the pace that we're, on, we're continuing on the macro side? Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, for growth, like we're, we guide to what we see, right? We are, we are cautious because, again, Europe, I don't know if anybody really understands what's going to happen, and so we, we, are, we are cautious uh, in what we see there. Uh, in general, though, I think we've already demonstrated that we're running a really efficient business, right? We, we, you know, did really well in Q1 against our, um, our loss number and our cash flow number. And we, we kind of, you know, look at the whole year now and we're able to talk about improvements we're going to make uh, throughout the whole year. We, we brought our burn number down and our operating loss number down uh, pretty considerably. Uh, and so nothing's changed there. Uh, and we have, you know, kind of been running this model that, you know, we, you know, like we, we, we like to spend after we achieve uh, certain numbers. It, we are still investing, you know, pretty heavily on the go-to-market side, though, and we are going to continue to do that because we see traction uh, and we have all these different levers, right? We've got, you know, our inbound motions uh, and our field presence um, and, you know, across, you know, multiple geographies and multiple products. And so and we've talked about, you know, some of these products that we're actually really excited about. Uh, and if there's certain areas that we don't see the traction, then you know, we still spend, but we don't we don't try to spend you know out uh, out of it. We will go you know deploy capital in other areas that we think we can get a better return. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from the line of David Hines with Canaccord. Your line is open. Please go ahead. Hey, this is Luke on for DJ. Thanks for taking the question. So I was wondering if you could refresh us sort of on the vision and strategy for fresh sales in the market. And the reason I ask is because when I think of Zendesk, they've sort of had a hard time breaking into the CRM market. And the same could, could kind of be argued for HubSpot breaking into service. So I guess the genesis of my question really is why do you think others have been slow to bridge that gap? And, and what are you doing differently, uh, do you think, to achieve a better result? Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question, Luke. Uh, see, our strategy for uh, not just uh, fresh sales, but the broader CRM market is how do we solve for today's biggest problem in the CRM market, which is data that is siloed between marketing teams, sales teams, 
and and support teams, not to mention the other teams like customer success, right? So that's that's the core of our uh, vision, where we want to bring an out of the box product experience for CRM by combining all this data into a unified customer record. So and and what you uh, saw in the announcement last week was. Um, as we move one step closer to unlocking this vision of a unified customer record, uh, today we have done that for e-commerce uh, sellers, where we are able to combine uh, data across marketing, conversational support, self-service bots, as well as uh, sales into a, a single unified customer record. We are making uh, progress to bring our fresh desk product on uh, to the unified customer record, and we truly believe that companies of the future, which do not have a legacy of um, existing uh, sales CRM uh, or marketing clouds or companies that want to break down the silos will be able to adopt a, a, a single customer cloud as opposed to these siloed. So that's our vision and we are making good progress and we'll share more details in the coming quarters. Excellent. That's it for me. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And our last question comes from the line of Pat Wall Ravens with JMP Securities, your line is open. Please go ahead. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, so, gee, just just very big picture here because we've been talking about it a lot. Um, you guys beat on revenue, but you missed on billings, and the tone is kind of cautious. So just so investors understand, were you happy with the performance of the sales organization in the quarter? Did Did Jose actually hit his number, or was it a bit soft? So thanks for the question, uh, Pat. So let me start by saying, like, we really feel good about Q1, how we performed, and we exceeded revenue expectations, and we we, we are, like, uh, continue to see efficiencies uh, in our business. So we are happy with how we came in from uh, the operating margin and net dollar retention. So one of the things that we are kind of, and you know this, that like we don't manage to really large customers, right? So we don't try to hit uh, a certain number of large customer deals. So that is a kind of a realization that happens that, hey, we did not close enough large logos or, or land with big deals. Uh, but when I look at uh, all the product investments and the roadmap and, and it's paying off, the investments in CXG is paying off. So broadly, we were happy with, uh, we are happy with uh, our performance in Q1. So we beat revenue and we, did significantly uh, better on operating margin. So we are pleased with the quarter. So moving forward, on, on specifically on the softness, uh, I think uh, it is an internal uh, execution uh, on the GTM side that we are still dealing with ramping reps uh, who have to kind of uh, close more deals. And we, will, uh, we have made the investments, and we are confident that it will pay off uh, in the coming months and quarters. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. And this does conclude our question and answer session, and I'd like to turn the conference back over to the company for any further remarks. Great. Thanks, everybody, for joining the call. Please let us know if you have any questions, and we look forward to staying in touch throughout the quarter. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.